Hey friends, do you like what you hear on Fundraising Heyday? I'm assuming you do since you are listening. If you're looking for a dynamic duo for your next virtual or in-person event, then have we got the team for you. We sure do. Because it's the two of us! <laughs> Amanda and I would love to join you for your next conference keynote or as the MCs of your event. We've trained and entertained thousands of people from all walks of life over the past five years, and we'd love to do the same for you. Whether we're talking about grants and fundraising or sharing ways to improve the funding process for us all, we've got a lot to say about a variety of subjects. And if I do say so myself, the fundraising heyday duo sounds better together. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And if you'd like to hire us, then shoot us an email at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. That's fundraisingheyday, H-A-Y-D-A-Y, at gmail.com. See y'all soon. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you are listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. Yay! We're doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts and getting the job done. Mm -hmm. You may hear a y'all or two along the way, and of course, singing and strange sound effects. And you know what I realized? We've yet to talk about pie this season. We, I'm a fan of pie. I'm a pie advocate. I'm intrigued by the mathematical pie, but I'd much rather eat an actual pie. I recently tried a new recipe and made a lemon pie, and it's dangerous. That's how good it is. Oh. Like, it doesn't last long in my house. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so y'all, I am not a pie baker or maker, but I do appreciate the efforts of my fine friend Amanda Day in the pie baking and development sector. Mm-hmm. I'm more in the pie eating area. That's where I live. That's where I live. So, speaking of pie, there's more of us to learn <laughs> for right? With episodes dropping every other week this year. Yes, let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by Season 4 sponsor D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com? Check it out today. So today, my friends, we're talking about something I never thought I would. I hope you're sitting down. If you're in the car, you know, remain calm, hands 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. I want to talk to you about the beauty of budgets. That's right. This journalism major, compulsive reader, fiction writer is going in hard on the care and feeding of budgets in the grant development process. Get ready. And this psychology major, avid reader, multiple book club member is right there with you. Thank you. (laughs) Like a lot of grant professionals, I got my start in grants because my coworkers at my first city job declared that, hey, you're a good writer. Uh Um, You know, you start writing letters and speeches and newsletters, and suddenly grants seems like the next logical conclusion. 
Um, so I was ready to roll on the grant narrative side of things, but developing or adapting budgets was definitely an acquired taste. Um, a little on the job trial by fire, if you must. I'm feeling it. Same. But over the decades that I have been doing this, so as time passes, so I feel like this deserves its own sound effects. So I'm just going to say over the decades, passing of time, I've learned that grant writing is really a misnomer, right? I know it's called that, but just go with me. The grants process is really 80% other stuff. And in Amanda's honor, I did say the word stuff, such as gathering requested documents. Y'all know I'm a potty mouth. Gathering (laughs) requested documents, hashing out program or project details, and putting together a budget. So that other 20% is maybe your actual writing time. And I have just found this to be the way things are. Yeah, that's sums it up nicely. Um, And since neither one of us came from either a financial or an accounting background, um, yeah, let's be clear. It's been a really long time since I've even had, you know, a trigonometry class, Uh, much less accounting, (laughs) right? Girl, (laughs) I cleft out of algebra in my undergraduate freshman year. It was an act of God. I do not know. (laughs) I did not even have to take a math class. Instead, I took geology or rocks for jocks. Fascinating, but not mathematical. Yeah, I actually there's math involved, but you know what I mean. You're not shocked. I was a total nerd in high school and I took AP calculus and scored high enough on my AP calc exam to that counted for all my high school or my college math credits. There you go. There you go. Since high school. Um, So anyway, yes. So now they're asking people like us (laughs) build budgets. (laughs) No, but we're the right people to ask because we're coming. If you are coming at this from a facility with a language background, this Mm -hmm. could be super helpful. If you are coming at it from a finance or accounting background and you're trying to talk to a grant writer who maybe has our background and it's like, you know, it's like a, a, a Scottish sheep farmer talking to a jazz musician in New Orleans, maybe, you know, the same language, very different dialects and word usages. So, Yeah, I think there's a little something for everyone here today as we break it down for you. Yeah. And for people without that finance background, it may take you a while to get comfortable with the best way to go about building your budgets or tweaking it. And by tweaking it, meaning someone's like, hey, this is something similar. Use it as your base, right? Um, So to be clear, today when we say budgets, we're talking very specifically about your program budget, a project Uh budget, equipment Uh budget, right? Uh The budget for the grant thing you're asking money for. Not to be confused with your agency's overall budget. Trust me, grant people are usually not the ones putting that together. Nor nor should we be. Nor should we be. No. That's usually your finance department with input from every department within your organization or every division or agency, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh Um, and your board of directors has to approve it and all that good stuff, right? It's so a thing. Yeah. we're not talking about agency budget. We're talking about grant budget. Okay. Um, now you guys know I cut my teeth on federal and state application, um, where there definitely is a lot of details involved when you're putting together a budget. Typically, not always, but the typically, um, a lot. Oftentimes, they give you detailed spreadsheets with formulas and sections and definitions of each category and all of that good stuff. So there's just lots of lots of information. Did I mention they're very detailed? <laughs> Once or twice. Yeah. So AKA they're picky about the budgets, but you got to follow the rules, right? And do what they ask. Well, unless you're me and then you 
<laughs> plot subversively to undermine the rules. But that's another episode for another time um, behind our as yet to exist Patreon wall, I think. So anyway, back to the topic. I worked for health and human services nonprofits for most of my career, uh, mainly writing corporate and foundation grants with a smattering of state, local, and federal. So the balance was sort of shifted very different than Amanda's experience. Bottom line there, there are fewer details. So you might be like, hooray, but I'm like, not so fast because there, there means because there are fewer details, and because they're private and not subject to even an attempt to standardize forms, right? You get a big old mishmash of whatever someone thought was a good idea at that particular time. Um, and if you've completed one budget for a private funder, by that I mean, you know, non-government, could be corporate, could be private foundation, you've completed exactly one. Um, they're like little snowflakes, each unique and lovely, but together they'll clump up and cover you in icy danger. Unless, like Amanda and I, you live in the Atlanta area where it only takes one or two flakes of snow to shut down a metropolitan area of millions and empty the grocery stores and um, there's no bread and milk. But in a shocking move for me, I digress. <laughs> I can't believe you. Dr. I know, right? You never do that. No, never. <laughs> okay. But seriously, you and I are definitely on the parallel career development track here. But as I start consulting, um, I'm starting to work more and more with nonprofits. So I'm starting to develop grants for corporate and private foundations, just like you're talking about here. Um, and to me, the biggest difference I see about budgets is not only is it different as far as the that they give you the forms, it's real complex versus, hey, it's kind of a simpler thing, mm. but also the level of information they want to know in relation to more budgets, I guess. So like with the federal grants, like if I'm building a trail, all they want to know, how much does that trail cost? How much are you asking us to pay for? What are you paying for? Right? They don't want to know, well, how many other trails are you building and what else are you putting with this? Where I feel like on the foundation side, right? It's like, okay, I'm asking you for $5,000 to pay for flu shots, but they're like, okay, but what is your flu shots a part of? And how much money do you have set aside for all those other things? It's like, and I want financial statements and I want all these things. And I'm like, this is supposed to be easier, but it's not necessarily easier. So I guess my difference is just, I feel like federal and state grants are focused just on that what are you asking us for? Whereas a lot of times with private, they're wanting to know, okay, what's the totality of all you're trying to accomplish? And yes, what are you asking for us? But how does that fit in that bigger picture? And also I would say having worked on a, a handful of federal applications over the past six months that were new to me, agencies that were new to me, opinions do vary at some of those federal agencies. Yes, like some of them wanted a lot of detail about your community partners, but it was for a community-based program. As opposed to if you are a local fire department writing a grant for a new fire truck, I'm imagining that budget's going to be fairly straightforward. It's like, how much does the truck cost? Why not? I need a truck. Boom. So it's $2 million. So Done. We understand there are exceptions to everything we're talking about. But when you're talking about building a budget, um, you're, you're just, it, it's a process. And each application could have a different process. But by and large, there's a little more detail, a little more technical assistance in federal, state, and local. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, but the bottom line, no matter what kind of budget you're doing, is it's always a good idea to start with your budget numbers first, right? Yes, yes. Even if yes. you're a grant writer, yes. not a bean counter. Yes. <laughs> My co-host agrees. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it just makes for a smoother, more effective process when you can start with the budget. And we'll talk about why as we go through here. So um, in this episode, we're going to work through some of the pitfalls in budget development process for grants. You know, most of these are our friends told us about. Amanda's you know, making air quotes, y'all. Our <laughs> friends, because we have friends in the grant development and grant professional field, friends that have made these mistakes, right? Those wacky, wacky friends. And then th- th- these same friends are going to share some pro tips with us, or perhaps they've already shared them, um, that as they learn from our, from, from our, their, their mistakes, not our mistakes, certainly. Um, so on to the pitfalls experience in no particular order, except how they emerged from my mind. So cue that scary music. Dun, dun, dun! Oh, God, my mind. Okay. My mind. First up, please, my brethren, do not assume that program directors and the finance department will completely take care of the grant budget process because they do numbers. What? I know. Please don't do that. A friend from a long time ago when this friend was just getting started in grant writing made that mistake. And it's... um. There are many nonprofits and government agencies where you have very experienced program directors and um, CFOs, staff accountants who are way familiar with the grants process and because they've done it all the time. So they will know, but don't make that assumption that they're on top of everything because remember, they have their other jobs like running those programs, making sure these um, finances track the way they should do. And not to be too precious about it, but grant budgets are kind of a unique part of an overall um, revenue tracking process in an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, most of you who are listening to this podcast know, you need to be able to, particularly for government funding, you need to be able to track costs across your count, accounting system to be able to link certain invoices and expenses to certain grant funding. So um, that may or may not be in the wheelhouse of whoever you're working with. And there's no shame to just sort of say, yeah, blame the funders. Yeah, we got to do this. We got to track this stuff. Um, let's just try and figure out the right way to do it together. And also, please don't assume. I'm just, I'm having a Pulp Fiction moment here, so I'm, I'm not going to go there. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not going to, guys, I really can't. There's real. I'm like, I can't even describe that without cussing. Quentin Tarantino has, has, you know, there's some Me Too issues that have come up around, but I'm just going to say that there was a, I'm just thinking about Assume in the movie Pulp Fiction. So we're just going to put that aside. I'm actually physically just putting that thought aside. I'm moving on. Um, but don't assume that that everyone on your team, even if they've been at that agency longer than you, are super familiar about allowable costs, right? Like what the grant will actually pay for. Two different examples, and then we'll move on. The first, um, um, and the most treacherous, I think, if you've listened to our Ripped from the Headlines episodes, some people either don't understand or choose not to understand 
what are allowable costs. A lot of times federal and state grants are set up on a reimbursement process, right? Just because they say you've got the money, that doesn't mean you can go off and spend the money on perhaps personal plastic surgery or wedding experiences or something like that. You got to spend that money on what you said you were going to spend it on for the organization. And if you want to know what she's talking about, go back to our previous Rip from the Headlines episode. Rip from the Headlines. Don't do with grant budgets. No. So you've got you've got that going on. But then conversely, when you're developing a grant budget, say perhaps for a smaller family foundation, your CFO might say, heaven help us, we must have money to pay staff salaries. I need you to write a grant for staff salaries. I've been in this position. What even my friend? I'm like, I completely understand the need to bring in more revenue, but this private foundation on their website or in their 990 has said they will not pay for salaries. Do I think that's good? No, I think it's short-sighted and dumb, but it's not my money. So Having, building a grant budget that way, sometimes you have to provide the education in a nice way and go, I, yes, there is a big need, but they're only going to pay for materials, supplies, and vehicles. So we can put, and we'll get to this later, you know, you, you want to put everything involved in that project budget, but you can't ask them to pay for something that they have already told you they will not pay for. Yeah. Well, and I'll tag on to that too, where you're talking about, you know, don't assume your project directors are going to totally know what to do. Yeah. So you can't just hand them the budget and say, fill this out and let me know, right? Not fair. fair. I will say on the flip side, it's also not wholly your job to do it all either. It is definitely a tag team project um, of putting all of that together. Um, So, which is kind of our next point here. Yep. Whether you're on a part of a team or you're flying solo, you want to make sure that you're putting together all the related expenses to fund that project or program. Okay. And again, the, why I say it's not just your job as the grant writer is if I have say a police officer come to me and he wants to, you know, he's trying to put an end to DUI related accidents and injuries and fatalities in our community. Okay. But I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what it means, right? And we're going to do some programs and we're going to probably do some checkpoints and we want to arrest people who are drinking and driving and we may want to do some education so people don't even do it to begin with. But what kinds of equipment and supplies and things do we need to make that happen? And I, so I need my program person to be able to tell me. Um, so oftentimes this is a sit down meeting where we start going over, okay, what do you need? And I have them tell me and I'm looking at it and I want to make sure we include everything we could possibly need because if they don't mention staffing, I'm going to ask the question, well, do we, do we have staffing to handle that? Because if not, and the grant would pay for that, then let's think about that. Let's make sure we think about all these things. You know, if someone says, well, we're going to go do some training. Great. So we've got money in our budget to pay for a conference, but if they don't say, oh yeah, how are we going to get there? Do I, you know, so we need money maybe for travel to go with that. So there are sometimes even the best program people may not think of all the ins and outs of the expenses they need. And so part of your job is working with them to figure out in totality, what is everything we need to make this program happen? Because once we hit submit, you don't get to go back to your funder later and go, <laughs> I forgot. Oh. I need $5,000 more dollars. And here's why they're going to say, yeah, figure it out yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't get to go back to them for more money. I mean, you can't ask, but 
And if you figure out one that'll give you more later, hey, you're get on, call get on, Amanda. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tell me yeah. all about that. But also but, that's a lot of work afterwards. And yes. it's like, let's sit down. And, and sometimes depending on where you work and how your agency is structured, right, Amanda, you may want to bring in a finance person who can say, right, police officer who wants to develop this program. Now, you know that we have to do X and Y and, and our personnel costs are X and Y for this level of yeah. officer pay and uh-huh. the benefits are thus and such. And so that that why would someone who is not intimately involved in calculating those expenses be aware of that? So that's kind of where I love it when you can get all three people either at the table or sharing a screen and mm-hmm. and talking it through. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to make sure that you have captured everything that you need for that budget. And again, as grant writers, the more you do this, like I can build a pretty darn bud darn good budget, right? Oh yeah. But I don't know, even if you say, hey, well, I need such and such piece of equipment. Well, could I go look that up and find a price for it? Sure. But do I know, oh my gosh, there's 10 different versions depending on which bells and whistles you need and whether you need, you know, I'm not going to know that as intimately as my program people. And so that's, you know, a lot of times they're like, but you're the grant writer. Can't you just put this together? No, it's your program. I mean, don't you want it to be, well, could I do it? Yes. Do you want to have a good program at the end of the day? Then I need your input. Um, And for the most part, most of them are willing to do that. So, but I've also many times in that and and the budget process, because people are always usually, usually always, always, usually, whatever, super focused on the money, right? They want you to get the money because they want to spend the money. And so bringing people around that money talk can also help you flesh out the program so that when you begin your narrative, Mm -hmm. you're not just right and blind. Exactly. So, so, um, and I don't have necessarily a specific example because really every grant I write, I am working with my program person going, tell me what all you need. And I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective going, Hey, you mentioned you're going to buy this of equipment as a funder. I would ask, do you know how to use that? Do we need to include money for training? Or if, if you, if we already know how to use it, then let me know. So somewhere in the narrative, I can explain, we're not asking money for training because we already have this person who can do it in house or whatever that answer is. Right. So, um, just always looking at your budget from our perspective of, is there anything that the funder would think was hinky or would ask, well, if you're doing this, why are you not doing that? Um, and that's what I try to bring to the table as the grant person. Um, once my program people have helped me develop an initial budget. It's a, so you do, you bring a good skill to the table that is needed. I think not just you, Amanda, although certainly you do, but just grant pros in general. general. Yes. So, um, on to our next pitfall that a, friend she said making air quote no actually actually i actually have done this one i'm just going to go out there and say it <laughs> um, just learn i'm not this charade can no longer continue i must tell you of my experience that was not very stellar so our third pitfall sounds like it's so hard to do you're going to be like kimberly really you did that and i'm gonna go yeah yeah i did and i bet you have too so let me tell you about it you got to make sure that the budget numbers the amounts, if you will, the totals, the subtotals, whatever it is you're talking about, they need to match all through your application form, your grant narrative, and your budget form. And you're like, oh, come on, that's so easy. And I'd be like, oh, uh, come on, I don't even know why I'm talking like that. It, it's, <laughs> it's easy to do. Let me tell you how. So actually, I'm going to digress for a second. So Amanda's super shocked right now. But <laughs> 
like in my personal life and my personal style, I'm not a big, big fan of super matchy matchy things. Like, you know, in, in my home, you know, I don't have to, anyway, things don't have to match exactly color for color, item for item. It's made for some interesting clothing choices for me and I'm not sorry, but, um, the, a well-done grant proposal, one that I want to, you know, say, yes, this is good. Let's send it in. It has to be matchy-matchy. All the numbers need to be consistent because we're not just grant writers. We're grant reviewers. And as grant reviewers, we look for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a mean, picky thing. It's things can change dramatically um, during the grant writing process, which as we know is really not about writing. It's about building consensus and getting documentation and then writing at the end. Um, I've encountered this recently. I was working on um, a proposal for um, uh, a large academic institution and um, the, Halfway through, there was like, oh, wait, we need to add the PI at this and somebody at that. And the conversation was, well, we'll just make the change in the budget. And I was like, that's true, but we need to go back in and make sure that there are at least two or three sentences in the narrative to talk about this PI. It was a federal proposal, so I had I had the space. I had space to burn. Um, it was like a 65-page maximum. So I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about this. And um, just to make sure that anything that's mentioned in the budget is mentioned in the narrative so that things match up. So as a reviewer, if I'm reviewing uh, any application, I want to make sure that it's thought through because it's a little, it's a little red, it's a little red flag goes. If I see something where the they say that the grant proposal total is $250,000, but the budget is $275,000 and they're asking for the entire program support. Does that make sense, Amanda? Yeah. Am I doing that right? So what are you asking for? 250 yeah. or 275? Yeah. And it's and it's fine. Expenses grow as 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 programs shrink or expand or whatever it is they do. And that can often happen in the you know three-week grant development process or maybe a month or more if you have if you have the luxury of time. But just remember to track those numbers back through. And that's another great argument from this word lover to start with the numbers first. Make sure those numbers get right and then to me, somehow it's easier to go back and then make sure the narrative matches up the budget than the yeah. other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can um, tell you a couple of things building on what Kimberly has said. Hmm. Again, just making sure, because a lot of times it's you've got columns going up and down, you've got rows going on. So like she said, you want to make sure everything adds up and be very careful. This I, I've almost made this mistake once before. A lot of times when you're going and you're building that budget and you're typing all the stuff into your Excel spreadsheet, a lot of grants will want to know per item, what's the cost per item, and then how many of that item do you need? And then there's the formula that you multiply the two together to get what your total cost for that particular line item is, right? Sure. Math. And let's yeah. say you're somewhere and you're buying, you know, a thousand of something and it's 52 cents each. It can be very easy when you have a lot of zeros to accidentally put a hundred instead of a thousand. Fair. And then you don't ask for enough money or to make the other mistake where you put in 10,000 instead of a thousand and then you're asking for way too much money. So just be very careful with your calculations. And that's, and it's not just you edit, hand it off to a finance person or somebody else to edit. They know numbers. They know how that works. It's true. So, it's true. Um, 
Kimberly's linear story. I've, what's funny is I have two stories I can tell. <laughs> since, when is my, when, since when is one of my stories ever linear? <laughs> Come I got, on. I got two, two, and they both involve buses. So I'm trying, I think I'm going to go with this particular one. Um, I have, and this one really is a friend story. A friend of mine. Um, it really is her friend. It really is her friend. It's not Amanda. I, it really is her friend. I can verify this. Please continue. <laughs> Um, we're having dinner. So of course we're always swapping grant stories and she's like, Oh, let me tell you my latest one. She said, I had a client. Uh, it was a K-12 school system. They called me and said, Hey, can you edit my grant for me? I don't want you to write it. I just need you to edit it. And this, we applied last year. We didn't get it. So we've kind of zhuzhed up the application and we want to make sure you have to zhuzh it. We want to make sure it's good. Would you please come, come over it and let us know. Okay. So she said, sure, absolutely. I can do that. Right. And us grant people, we do stuff like this all the time. So she's editing and, but she said, as I'm reading it, there's nothing for me to change, but she's, she said their need statement had lots of data and support for the need for this after school program. They proved their case. They need help, right? The program they plan to do was a tried and true method that funders love and it's typically successful. They're serving a decent number of kids. She said, just everything I'm reading and there's not a comma out of place. Nothing's misspelled. She said, there literally was nothing for me to send back to them except for this is awesome. Good job. And I'm starting as a grant person to feel bad. Like, I mean, it's taking me time to read this, but I feel bad to charge them just to say, y'all did good. Great job. Good job. Worth money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she got to the budget. And the strange thing about the budget was there was a line item for a bus in there. And she says, now what was weird about the bus is oftentimes with after-school programs, you need transportation. Um, and this funder would pay for buses. But she says the reason it stood out was the fact that like Kimberly said, when you mention something in the budget, you've mentioned it in the narrative, right? So yeah. the bus is never mentioned. Oftentimes, too, Ghost like if you're going if you, <laughs> if, if to pay for a bus, either you're asking money for things like gas and drivers, or at least somewhere else you're explaining how you've already got that covered, right? So she said there's no mention of anything else. And she goes, in fact, in the need statement, they don't talk about, hey, transportation is a barrier. barrier. Um, In the methodology, there's no mention of um, needs for bus. In fact, in the narrative, they say we're doing the program at the school so kids don't have to be transferred anywhere. And their plan was to have parents and guardians pick kids up at the end of the day. There's no discussions of field trips or outings. So there's no need for a bus. That's why that bus stuck out like a sore thumb in the budget because it didn't belong there. Okay. And so things is not like the others. One of these buses just doesn't belong. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's how you know that doesn't belong in the budget when it's not mentioned elsewhere or, if it is a necessary item, then we need to go back and figure out where else in our narrative we talked about it, right? And now this is more of a grant management thing. The reason that bus was in there was because their boss said, hey, we've got this other grant funded program that needs a bus um, and we can't, but they won't let us buy a bus. So we're going to use this grant to buy a bus for this other program. Let me just go ahead and tell you that's not how grants work. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> no whammy, no whammy. Yeah. So don't put things in your budget that you don't need for that program because otherwise, why is it in your grant budget? Right. There's, there's an extra added bonus pitfall. Yeah, don't. If you don't need it, it doesn't belong in your budget because you've got to be able to justify to your funder that we need this to 
meet our goals and objectives and to make sure we serve the people or the things that we're serving. And if you're not going to use it for that, it doesn't belong there. True that. So anyway, let's go to one last budget discussion. Could be a pitfall. Could be a last pitfall. Could be. Indirect versus direct costs. Mm. This is a fun one. Okay, so most grants are used to fund direct program costs, meaning you specifically need these people, these items, these things, these supplies, whatever, to implement your program, right? Um, That's generally what grants will pay for. Now, like Kimberly mentioned before, there are certainly some foundation grants that will help pay for general operating, okay? But... Those are not typical grants. There's not tons of those out there. So mostly when we're talking grant budgets, we're talking direct project costs specifically for this program. Um, So indirect costs on the flip side are going to be those general operating, those overhead types of costs, Mm -hmm. okay? And depending on who your funder is determines how they may or may not fund that, right? So there certainly are some foundations and corporations who will pay for general operating. And if you can find those funders go for it and get your general operating funded. That's amazing and awesome. It is amazing. It is. But there's a lot of them when you read what they will and won't fund, general operating tends to be on the unfundable category, mm-hmm. the unallowed costs, so, right. which is sad. And don't get us started about the right and wrong of that because that's a whole other episode. Oh, there are for plenty of other day. episodes where we yes. rip into that. <laughs> um, now, on the flip side, federal and state – um, and particularly federal funders, they do allow you to have indirect costs, okay? Um, so the federal government will typically allow a line item for indirect cost rates, okay? And this is to help things like utilities, rent, telecommunications, um, maybe facility or liability insurance, the janitor, your auditing services, your accountants, maybe admin assistants, your executive director, just think about all the people and things that are necessary. Your your grant writer, your your grant grant manager. Yes. Everything needed to run your agency as a whole, but you can't tie it just to that one program because it makes all your programs and activities happen, right? Those are what we're talking about when it is an indirect cost. Okay. Um, and I'm not going into how indirect works with the federal grants because that's going to have to be a future topic because it's, it's a long discussion. It's a complicated process. Um, but just know that the federal government does often have an indirect line item to help pay for a portion of those costs. And that really is a beautiful thing. And I, I will just tell you without going into the ins and outs, basically you have to negotiate a rate with the federal government to figure out what your indirect cost rate is, what percentage of your budget is allowed. Okay. So, but again, going back to when we're talking grant budgets, we're talking the direct program cost is Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. So I would say too, that I know that for some agencies, there is for some federal funding, if you haven't gone through the onerous task of calculations, there is a standard and direct cost rate that you could add if you wanted to, but yes, you can claim 10% if you've never negotiated a rate in the history of your organization, which is, and and there's some private funders that do fund those kind of keep the lights on, keep the copy machine working, Mm -hmm. um, indirect costs. Usually they're going to tell you, (laughs) they're going to say, yeah, you can, you can put 15% indirect costs 
you can add 15% onto the total program cost. So it's not anything to calculate or talk about. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to say, you know, because I didn't come to the grants field as, um, as a numbers kind of person. Yeah, I was more of the bookworm, compulsive reader of everything. I did not ever dream that indirect cost allowances would be so exciting. Um, <laughs> but but nowadays, I will say, you know, and Amanda got, got us started with this, but nowadays, I, if I see that the funder has thought this through with like a private funder, that's like, yeah, we'll help pay to keep your lights on because if you don't have lights on, all your little children in that after-school program are going to be in the dark. How are they going to read? They're going to be scared. You have to tell ghost stories. We don't know. It's bad. So we want to pay for that. When I see that, or even, even better, even better, if they're willing to consider general operating funding, that's just a private precious moment for me. And the soundtrack in my mind for that is bam, chicka, wow, wow, because it's like really attractive. So if you have kids in the car and they're like, Mom, Dad, why are you laughing? Why did that middle-aged oh, lady? <laughs> why did that middle-aged lady do some weird '70s guitar effect? Just tell them to hush or give them a piece of candy because it's it's not their business. <laughs> but if you know what I'm talking about, well, there you go. And if you don't, oh well. So <laughs> anyway, bad sound effects aside, those are glorious times when funders actually realize that. Yeah, and I, um, for a, a client that you and I share, um, I actually just last week submitted two grants that the entire grant was strictly for general operating. Now, it's not tons of money. I asked for 5000 from each, but, I mean, and that's not even going to pay a portion of their overall general, but the fact that I could apply for a 5000 grant that just 100% goes to general operating however we need to use it. Yeah, bounce a wow wow for sure. General operating. Sorry, yeah. I just I need to just be alone with that for a minute. But anyway, so to keep all this excitement up to a fever pitch in our discussion. Grant people excited. (laughs) We do have some pro tips, right? Mm -hmm. So first up, and again, shocking that I find myself saying this, but for me and my experience with the health and human service agencies, so primarily I work with, and even academic institutions and other educational institutions, jump on that budget form first. And let me tell you why. Just jump on it, use charm, use chocolate, use charming chocolate, whatever you got to do. Get your, if you can build these meaningful relationships Chocolate is also a great way to get that started, but whatever it is with your finance folks um, and your program folks, but particularly for a budget form, one of the, uh, one of the places I worked at in the last few years um, before I started my own business in 2018, there was a, and Amanda knows which county this is too, there's a county where we applied for funding and every year it was just, it was a hellacious, um, it, it was bad. It was super long with lots of forms and attachments, and the budget was a little gnarly, the budget form. I have heard that they have kind of made some changes now, which I think is positive. But at the time, but I knew it was coming. I knew it was every June. I knew it. And so I would start priming the pump, you know, before um, I would uh, get the, the, the application in hand or download it really from their website. It was like, we know this is coming. Could you possibly, finance person, perhaps there was a little chocolate involved, could you work on this form for, mm-hmm. and here's, but look, here's what we did last year. Because again, it was the same thing every year for this particular funder. They funded the same thing every year. So 
you may be saying, well, gosh, in that time I could have done the budget myself. Oh, my friend. No, you would be busy doing the other 124 pages of Huey that uh, Amanda really is a better influence on me these days. I'm really choosing my words more carefully. <laughs> but um, just all the all the stuff that you would have to put together for that, that's where you're going to be spending your time. Let the finance people do the finances. Let them fill out the part of the budget form, because it was a form, where they ask for the last three years of um, um, assets and revenue and all these other things that are encapsulated. But give them enough time to do it. So that's why I say, Budget first, budget first, walk into that room, budget first. In my perfect world, I start with budget first with my finance and program people. And then with the program people, I'm also like, we're going to talk about money and then we're going to talk about outcomes because those are often the hardest things to bring to the table. This is not a discussion about objectives, but um, those are the things that take the longest and they take other people's time. I know how fast I can write. I know what I can do. But starting that first, if I get those, if I get the money and the outcomes out of the way, the narrative, I won't say it writes itself, but it makes it a whole lot easier. I'm just, I can take that budget and take the objectives um, and start that narrative program description, and it is going to match. So that's all I'm going to say about that. No, that's I start with budget too. So yep. I'm right there with you yep. because, like you said, it really does affect so many other sections. And so until I know that, I can't write a lot of other pieces. So, um, so our next pro tip, y'all know me as a rule follower because oh yes, indeed, Kimberly likes to remind me of that. <laughs> Girl, you like to say that. It's not just me. We're just different. We're just different yeah. in our life approaches. Yes. I'm all about making sure every single thing asked for, requested, indicated, it's all in its proper and respectable place in the proposal. Yeah. And I never take it for granted uh, uh, that, there? <laughs> that every single line item and formula in every supplied budget form or spreadsheet is correct. So my pro tip on this is break out your calculator. Every computer has one. Your phone has one. Don't go, oh, well, it's an Excel. It must be right. No. No. <laughs> Break out another form and make sure you add all of those up. And because you just, that's one of the things people like me are going to check that when they review your grants and you don't want it to be like, huh, this subcategory <laughs> is off and therefore her total's off. So what? how much money does she really need, right? So just make sure Everything adds up the way it's supposed to add up. Because you know what? These forms, these Excel forms are made by human beings. And if they use the same form year after year and save it and resave it and do stuff, sometimes little hinky things can happen in the formulas. You could be saying, shouldn't they check that all before you, they make you fill it out and find all their mistakes? I'm like, I do not disagree with you, my friend. But I'm just telling you that that's the way it is. It, it's actually happened to me. And I am like Excel basic. I am like, yeah. I'm the basic B of Excel. I'm like, mm, yeah, I know some things, but I have found just adding up the, you know, adding up columns, adding up rows, um, you'll find some things. And if I find something I can't fix, all the more reason to have established some strong working relationships with other people in the agency or other clients for me for me to be able to say, wow, this they've change this and that it won't calculate correctly. Can you take a look at it and fix it? This is what the numbers should be. 
that's rare that that's happened. Usually I can catch them and fix them, but it's a big deal. And please don't assume, you know, these forms are brought to you usually by people who've never filled out their own forms, which again is another podcast episode where I go off. But um, just know that. Just check them out. Check them out. And, and related to that, our pro tip, Numero tres. Um, if you need to consolidate your organization's program or, or project budget to fit the inscrutable form that you may be given by the funder, keep your notes. Yes. Um, like you're, you're, um, let's say you put together, a, there's a program that you, for which you seek funding every year, just for math, easy math. It's a $100,000 program. And, but it, that's the salaries and materials and all this stuff. And maybe you're so on top of your game that you actually work that out with your finance and program people every year, right? Because they got to have their program budget approved, right? If it's a large enough organization by the board. So let's say you have that and it's, you know, maybe it's a page or two. And you're like, oh, but I have this budget. I don't need to worry about that. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to have to get the form that the funder sends out. And while your budget may have 30 line items, right, which is Mm -hmm. under expenses for the sake of argument, they might have five and an other. And so don't freak out. If, you know, but, but if you're taking a 30 line into a, a five line, then just keep your notes or point that out to your finance person. That's usually, I would go to them before the, the, the program person and just keep track of, well, we're just going to squinch, which is the technical term, squinch all of these um, uh, supply costs that might include, you know, uh, books, um, online licenses, whatever it is, into one category. Mm-hmm. It's important to be able to show that work because if you do get funded, then on the backside, when you're putting expenses for that program, your finance people need to know where that stuff lives. And you will be able to provide valuable information. Like, remember, this is an allowable cost, right? Even though they say supplies, we actually chose to put this uh, this particular separate thing under supplies, so we're good. And here's, here's the math. So it sounds like a little teeny thing, but it's helped me again and again to get, again, who would have thought that I'd be like, oh no, on these, on these detailed budget notes I took, but I'm like, here it is. Remember we did all that. Let me tell you, I um, took over a year ago um, from a grant consultant who had been with a client for like five years. She retired. I got to be the next one in line to do the work, which was lovely. Um, And uh, one of the first grants I did with them was a, a funder that wanted to know f- the last three years worth of organizational budgets. And she had done that whole, probably put multiple categories in a line yep. item, yep. but I didn't have her notes. So I don't know what she put where. So when I do, I could get the last two years worth of data from her, but then I didn't know what she put where. So when I did my this year, it would fit too. So trying to haphazardly guess what she did, um, because I mean, and she probably had notes somewhere, but I didn't yeah. have them. Um, so yeah, having those notes is a godsend. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely want to have that. Um, my last pro tip I will share with you is, um, kind of in the lines of what Kimberly is talking about, but you definitely want to make sure you have a very detailed line item of your agency's budget. Right. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, I got spoiled working in local government because, as a full-time employee there, I could get my hands on, I mean, to the penny 
of where all the money was being spent, not just salaries, but I could get a breakdown of well, this position, this position, and not just training, but how much is local training, how much. So, I mean, if I needed to answer any sort of question or know what things cost, I could just look at the budget and know it. But when you, as a consultant, a lot of times you just get the, hey, we have this much in personnel, this much for mm-hmm. supplies. And so I learned the hard way, I'm going to have to ask for more detailed budget. And working with smaller nonprofits, often it's like, well, we have this part-time um, accountant we work with. And you're so you're just, I, I'm the grant consultant calling the grant accountant and yeah. trying to get some questions and information answered. And usually they have what you need. It's just a matter of figuring out where it is and who has it. So having... Having a nice detailed operating budget, both on the revenue and expense side of your organization as a whole, helps you answer those budget-related questions from funders. So you want to I concur. And if someone's being kind of squinchy about giving you that information, you can remind them that you are trying to seek funding from them, and without the proper information, the proposal won't be as competitive, and they won't get the money. And um, yeah, it's okay for grant writers to know. In general, the salary levels for certain jobs for which they are seeking grant funding. Yeah. I'm just I'm saying that yeah. because I've been down that road and I'm like, y'all really? I just really uh-huh. it's been a long time, but it's like, wow, it I totally get it. And I don't need to know what people how much money they're saving for their retirement. That's not my business. But I do need to know a salary range. What's the average salary for a teacher or a nurse or a, a program coordinator, what have you. It is important. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, you know, you can use somebody's salary as an in-kind match to a grant. Yes, you could. And so sometimes I do need to know if I'm, hey, police officer Smith, if you're the one that's spending the time and you're going to spend 10 hours a week for the next two years, I do need to know exactly what your salary is so I can show. And again, I don't care. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to tell anybody, Um, but the funder needs to know. So sometimes you have to know that. Well, folks, Kimberly and I came to grant writing as writers first, which I'm guessing a lot of you listening today are the same way. But you've got to remember to be successful in the grant field, you really need to make sure that you know your way around budgets, how to read them, how to interpret grant funders' forms and all their fun instructions, and how to tell the story with your budget that connects to the words that you've written to describe the need in your community and all the positive changes you're going to make happen and all of that good stuff. Okay, so your budget, I always try to think of it not as a budget numbers, but it's just an extension of this linear story I'm telling. Sometimes it goes around about fashion, but it still is all telling the same story, right? We're not giving mm-hmm. conflicting information, okay? Um, and listen, if you think we've missed a perilous pitfall or you want to share a pro tip um, that helped you conquer the budget process, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at fundraisingheyday, and remember that's heyday, H-A-Y-D-A-Y, fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. Thank you again to our season four sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. So again, thank you for listening. We wouldn't do it without you and we couldn't do it without you. And if you like what you hear, leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help spread the word. It's one of the most important things you can do if you're a fan and you want to make sure um, that we can reach as many people in the grants and fundraising profession that need to hear us and 
good information with wacky sound effects. I mean, what a deal. Free content. I'm just saying. We are honored you chose to spend time with us, and, and we'd love for this podcast to be a part of your professional development lineup. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we hope you're going to join us again in two weeks for our next episode. We're going to be sharing about the good we can do as grant seekers, meaning we're not jumping into the Hunger Games competition of grant funding if we don't actually need the money. That's what we're talking about next week. See y'all soon. Bye.